Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Pod on the Tyne, your go-to Newcastle United podcast from The Athletic. Coming up on this week's show. Cross to the back post, is headed against the Newcastle player, they want handball, they appeal twice, and in! A disappointing Desmond, 2-2 at Elland Road. How is Jason Tyndall feeling about that? A huge week in store, two home games that could see Jason Tyndall bring Champions League football back to St James's Park. And Newcastle's women delighted Jason Tyndall with their title win, reflections on a hugely successful season and what comes next from Becky Langley. Hello, this is Pod on the Tyne. We'll bring you the expert views of George Coggan and Chris Woff. The what? Expert views, George, apparently, uh, on all the latest going-ons at Newcastle United. But we have to start with the most important topic of the week. Jason Tindall, not content with doing it for 90 minutes every single time we play, started boiling several vats of piss (laughs) on the internet last Thursday when someone spotted Gary O'Neill making sure he shook Eddie Howe's hand first. Chaps, what do you make of all of this, George? Jason Tindall has been front and centre, hasn't he? And he's loving it. Yeah, welcome to Pull on the Tindall. <laughs> Starring me, George Tindall, um, Taylor Tindall yep. and Chris Tindall. That's me. I'm not sure where all this came from. I mean, I, I, I saw that there was a Twitter account, isn't it, called something like Jason Tindall not being the centre of attention or something? Yeah. And it, uh, but it was... 35,000 followers. Yeah, it was very funny. because about a week. Because, I mean, that, and the Bournemouth clip that nobody saw at the time, at least I didn't, is pretty is pretty incredible, really. But it's fun, it's fantastic. <laughs> I was I also I wanted to point people to Chris's brilliant piece about uh, Tyndall from the other week as well, which is very good, but sort of actually explained um, why the Tyndall-Eddie Howe combination works so well. But yeah, very funny. Chris, did you see some of the memes flying around? There was a brilliant one of, you know, the after the, the victory photo, and it was just Jason Tindall's face had been superimposed on every single player's head. Yeah, I very, <laughs> I, I very much enjoy the, the, the gift there is of all of the different face, uh, Jason Tindall post-match uh, yeah. images, of uh, that ridiculous smile. But the thing about the, the shaking hands is actually something that that coaching staff of opposition sides some do speak about it and I think it it does annoy quite I think it was a, a pointed thing that Gary O'Neill did because and I don't know specifically at Bournemouth themselves but at other clubs I know it has been spoken about as if like why does Jason Tindall come forward first to, to, to shake the hand when obviously Eddie Howe is the manager he's but, Jason yeah, exactly, exactly and, yeah. and it's Howe he does what he wants he does what he fucking wants yeah <laughs> yes. absolutely at all he's times he's the colour of lovely rich mahogany and he can basically do whatever the fuck he wants. Absolutely. Do not get in his way. He's ours and we love him. Absolutely. The controversy even went transatlantic, didn't it, when CBS presenter Susanna Collins asked Eddie Howe about it on their morning footy show. I have a kind of off-the-field question for you. My fiancé is a massive Newcastle United fan. We watch every match. We do not miss one. And one thing that we have both noticed is that your assistant coach, who I know you go way back with, Jason Tindall, has a knack for finding the camera. (laughs) Have you ever had to rein him in and be like, hey man, I'm in charge here. I'm the chief. Uh, That's an interesting, yeah, it's (laughs) something that we've not really uh, ever talked about really. We're both very active on the sidelines, so I've encouraged Jason to be that way. We were very much a a partnership when we first started in management. And, we try to do everything that we can to help the players. I think we're situated together on the on the front there, and at the end of the the game, he naturally makes his way over because he's usually to to my left. Um, so now he's a great guy. He's been incredible for me this year. 
he's very he, he's very animated and very excited. I find I find the antics incredibly entertaining. Eddie. I love it. I mean, to be fair, you don't go to Eddie Howe for a comedy retort, do you? <laughs> Much as we love him. <laughs> Much as we love him, that's not what he's that's yeah. not what he's good at. Yeah, and I mean, of all the things you can imagine Eddie Howe saying, "Hey man, I'm the chief," is probably bottom of the list. <laughs> they gave the straightest oh, path of straight bat answers as well. Didn't it, it was just like it's a thing of beauty. It's a thing of beauty. Just padded it up, didn't you? Bottom <laughs> yeah. of the bat. Just padded it up and just put the bat in the yeah. air. Not we love him. That, we love Eddie Howe. We love Eddie Howe. Just, I mean, obviously, Howe how is. They, well, come on, they've both been fantastic. They They're a great double act, but um, yeah, very lucky to have them. And Jason, don't let them get you. Keep doing what you do. Yeah, we love it. Continue. We love you so much. Right then, let's crack on, lads. Come on, you Newcastle United failed, didn't they, Chris, to entirely break their Saturday lunchtime hoodoo? But it was a cracking bit of Barclays, to be fair, wasn't it? What? He's not heard, Chris has maybe not heard that phrase, Barclays. So, Barclays Premier League. So, shorthand. Cracking bit of Barclays. Shorthand Chris. for quite an enjoyable game of association football. Yes. Taylor asked you, it was a cracking game of Barclays. Right, I've not heard that before. If you have to explain all this, Chris, it, it kind of loses its edge a bit. Do you know what I mean? We, we do try to appeal to a younger audience, so it's important to be edgy. It's important to use kind of vernacular shorthand like that. So, yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's meme culture, Chris. Cracking bit of Barclays, yeah, Chris? Good. Well, it shows that I am 50 years old, as George keeps telling me there. <laughs> um, I was born 70. But the, the, I mean, the Saturday lunchtime hoodoo is... It's also almost becoming an issue now. There was obviously that piece on the Athletic a couple of months ago about the worst and best kickoff times for sides. And Newcastle's is half twelve, and the last three half twelve kickoffs have been two defeats and now a draw. They lost to Man City, perhaps not entirely unsurprisingly away from home, but lost badly to Aston Villa, and then struggle for large parts of a game against a side who are facing relegation at Leeds. And it was a it was a bizarre match because there was. There were loads of token points. You had a distinct lack of quality and yeah. really a lack of flow to the game. It was really puzzling. It was just so stop start, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean George, George and I watched it with uh, Charlotte Robson from from True Faith in the Grove, which was very good. Enjoyed that. The Grove, which naturally is in Biker, we should point that out. Biker Grove. It's a great, great little venue. Ah, check that out. Yes, and hello to Ross, by the way, who listens to the podcast, and we said hello to you there. Yes, who works behind the bar. So yeah, so we want we watched it in there, and it was it was one of the, one of the first the first fifteen or twenty minutes was there was quite a lot of swearing in the room, quite understandably <laughs> so, I think, because Newcastle didn't start particularly well, did they? Didn't they not? I thought they did start well. I thought they started all right. I mean, okay, not obviously conceding that goal, but the the, the weird thing about that that we were saying is that Leeds just scored with their first attack it felt like it was the first time they'd crossed the halfway line and then they get a penalty with their second attack I had a strange feeling I mean I know I know it wasn't brilliant but I had this kind of thought all the way through that even when they went a goal down that Newcastle would win this game comfortably and I still I was still thinking it you still think that now are you? I still do yeah I mean so I mean I know this wasn't the question but it was I'm frustrated because I think that was two points dropped in the way that the game yeah. panned out because I think that game was there to be won and I think Newcastle are a lot better than Leeds. We'll come on to talk about why that happened, I guess. But Chris, Chris used quite a good phrase that you know Newcastle kind of got swept up in the in the Leeds chaos, in the chaos of around Leeds. Yeah, but I I thought they I I don't know I just they should have been comfortable in that game, and yet for some reason they weren't. It was a raucous atmosphere, wasn't it? And Leeds probably brought the heat as well to that to that early kickoff. Their energy caused us problems, Chris, didn't it? And Eddie Howe tinkered a little bit as well. And like you said before, the flow just wasn't quite there, was it? It, it was very stop-start. Passes were going awry. People were miscontrolling the ball. It just didn't feel like either team really had control. No, and I mean, as, as George said, I did mention that sort of chaos. And the thing about Leeds is that I agree they are poor, but the, what they do and what I think Allardyce is focused in on even more so is that it is sort of long balls, second balls, just trying to, try to make something happen, run around a heck of a lot, but not necessarily seemingly in, in any sort of pressing formation, no sort of style between it. And Newcastle got dragged down by that and couldn't find a way through it. And how 
who did change, he said afterwards he changed the formation three or four times and speaking to people with, within the club over the last few days, what they've been saying is that they are really struggling to, to, to work out what the right balance is without Longstaff or without the certain players they've got at the moment. And you can, and you can see that right now. I mean, obviously, Isak starts on the left again, Callum Wilson through the middle. Joe Linton actually started as the deep-lying midfielder, the number six, not the centre-half, George. <laughs> he switched with Bruno Guimaraes quite early on. Then there went to a 4-1-4-1 almost. Then it was a 4-2-3-1. And it was very young Eddie Howe-like to do that in the first half of match. He doesn't change that early in games, but Newcastle just couldn't quite find the floor. They couldn't get Isak on the ball enough, or when they did, he wasn't necessarily getting the ball in the right areas. And I just thought that... It feels a little bit muddled at the moment. It feels like yeah. rather than when it flowed so well and it was almost like a machine working all at one, it just feels like a couple of parts aren't quite right at the moment and, and everything else is sort of struggling on the back of that and sort of stagnating because of it. Leeds did something interesting as well. We should always remember that there's another team involved in, in these matches and uh, Allardyce, Sam Allardyce changed formations and he put Robin Cock at the base of his midfield, which um, Child. is something he did at Sunderland as well with Jan Kershoff, and, and they did well, Sunderland, in that time. And I do think it is an area that Newcastle struggle. I'm, you know, Longstaff misses one game at Aston Villa, you know, not starting that game, and they struggled. It's easy to sort of say that in that, you know, in those circumstances, but I think the longer time has gone on without Longstaff starting, you just do see how he connects the team and his energy, his drive, the running is really important to that unit. And without him there, it always feels like they're having to compensate in ways that they can't quite do. Yeah. The other thing to say is that Bruno is an absolutely magnificent footballer, is one of Newcastle's difference makers. It does feel like he's very hampered at the moment by this, this injury of his. He's not the same player. And that has become a difficulty for them. You know, we saw the we saw the Wilson Isak sort of combination again, and I think we saw again that that isn't quite ready at the moment for an, for an, for ninety minutes or for sixty minutes, however long how long it lasts. But yeah, I think I think I do think the midfield position is the one that is kind of causing Newcastle's problems at the minute. Yeah, we have to mention as well. Jacob's written an excellent piece about mm. that midfield, uh, including sort of the Joel Linton's role within that. I know, Chris, you're not particularly a fan of Joel Linton in that deep lying role, are you? No, I just don't think he's good enough on the ball. I mean, I understand to a degree why Howe started like that. He said after the Brentford game when he also moved Joel Linton there during the second half that part of it was to do with sort of long balls, second balls, dealing, and, with, yeah, the dealing with the physicality. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they needed that because. I mean, Bamford in front of goal was awful, but actually, in in terms of, he did bully. I thought the, the defenders to a certain degree. I he thought was winning was, a lot, an awful lot of headers. Yeah. Bamford, I noticed. Yeah, and obviously it was his cross for, for the first goal as well that that that, that, led, that led to it from the left hand side when he cut back on his on his right foot. So, but it it just feels like square pegs and round holes to a certain degree. Bruno Gimaraes is obviously carrying this angle knock as well as as, as we said. And there are just a lack. There are a lack of options there. I mean, if as soon as one midfielder goes down injured, as as, as Sean Longstaff has, not only is, is he so important to the balance anyway, Newcastle just have a lack of of bodies and options. And if you want to change formations, you are playing people sort of out of position to a certain degree. I mean, Joel Linton signed for Newcastle as a centre forward. Clearly, wasn't that, but is is excelled as either a left sided forward or in in a more number eight role really because he's not a defensive midfielder it no. still is a very different position and to be that composed on the ball is something I don't think he's quite got yet and so yeah that they are just struggling a little bit to find that right balance there and while we're mentioning Joel Linton as well he was the uh, the player who decided to tangle legs with uh, with the Leeds United player and give away that penalty early on I think we'll call that a clumsy challenge shall we it was definitely a penalty anyway and Nick Pope uh, gets down low to his right and saves the ball a great save George and Nick Pope again showing how good he can be there was a lovely little moment just after he made the save where the ball pops back up in the air and Nick Pope desperately tries to shovel it out of play as quick as he possibly can with yeah, a, yeah. a look of sheer panic on his face, shall we say. But it was a great, it was it was a fantastic bit of goalkeeper, and he's just improvised to get it away. He had to do it though. Yeah, I mean that's the kind of the most amazing thing about it, really, because those you know penalty saves, it's it's uh, you know if it's not guesswork, then it's anticipation. You go the right way, you make yourself big, you do that. It's instinctive. Yeah, that second bit 
in some ways is the most impressive because you have to be you have to be physically and mentally agile enough to get up on, onto your feet Absolutely. or you know to push to push it away if that had been me I'd have been lying on my back for three weeks I mean <laughs> you know probably with a broken back but also reveling yeah. in what I'd just done to be that sort of you know to be that nimble is uh is very impressive but yeah he did he showed it how it's, how it's done didn't he I mean, on that front, for the first goal, what is the verdict on Pope's save? Because it's, he does well to get across, but I find it a little bit unusual he pushes it out. I thought he should have pushed it wider. Yeah. He, he seemed to he seemed to push it back in. But if you're diving at full length across your goal to try and stop the ball going the net, there's only so much you can do, isn't there? You know, I mean, it's it's harsh on him to, to say that he that he that he caused the goal or yeah. or anything like that. In the pub, that was my first response. I was saying that to Chris. It's like, why is he why is he saved that like that? Why is he not tipped it round? He's pushed it in. But then I think when you see the replay, the ball is actually, I mean, it's, I don't think you can tip that round the post because it was actually further in, into the goal than that. So if he tipped it, it would have gone in, I mean, is what I'm trying to say. So I think that's why he's done. But if anything, his, his hands are sort of too too firm for that, aren't they? And he has pushed it, pushed it back out. So, yeah, I don't know. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Callum Wilson, back on the score sheet again. Chris, Sean Patrick Bamford, how it's done. Uh, the first pen was was cool, wasn't it? The second one was absolutely delicious right down the middle. It was, and I mean, you just can't you can't stop scoring, can you? I know they were both from the penalty spot, but that's uh, he's got the most goals in the Premier League, I think, since March, of any any player since March. It's uh, 10 in his last nine, is it? Something something like that. Anyway, he's, he's, he's on ridiculously... Good form, but weirdly, I mean, again around the pitch, I didn't think he really got that much of an opportunity. Again, Newcastle didn't find him that much in front of goal. It was similar to to sort of the Arsenal game, but then he steps up in those moments and, and takes him. And, and you think about it, Newcastle also have Alexander Isak who could take those those penalties as well. So they are, and and Kieran yeah. Trippier in theory could take take a penalty. Bruno Guimaraes, you've got quite a few actual potential takers there. So I think they're in a very good. Position. I think it's going to be a while until I ask Bruno Gimaraes to take a penalty again, Chris. After that one, fair the, point. Yes, fair point. I just had flashback there. The yes, out yes. in the cup. Fair, fair, fair point. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't twat it, did he, George? So that's the that was the no. What did you think of Callum Wilson's second penalty, George? Because he just kind of lofts it down the middle of the goal. Are you are you are you okay with that? Well, I don't think he lofts it. I don't think that was a. It wasn't a sort of. It wasn't one of those Penenka sort of chips or anything like that. I think he struck it with firmness. It wasn't a twatter, but it was... It passes your firmness test. It does, it? yeah. But, I mean, he also showed... I mean, it is it is absolutely brilliant composure because there was all sorts going on for the second one. And, uh, you know, it's just absolutely ice cold, I thought he was, for both of those, for the, both of those penalties. You know, in that really sort of fevered atmosphere... Everybody being at you, I just yeah, I thought I thought that was magnificent. It's just it's just frustrating that it didn't result in three points. I actually called the second penalty where he was going to put it as well when we were watching the game because the keeper got so close to the first one, went the right way, and I thought he, he he's going to anticipate the keeper going full length again to one of the corners and he's just going to stick it down the middle. And just before he started his run up, I said straight down the middle with this one, and there it went. And I had a, a celebratory glug of Guinness and got on with the game. We were unlucky to concede, though, Chris, weren't we, towards the end? Ball ricocheting off Kieran Trippier. A bit disappointing not to close out the win, really. I'm not sure I necessarily agree that they were unlucky to concede because I thought that the defendant leading up to it and around it was oh, so yeah, I mean, No, I, I know that. I mean, I know you don't was, about was the, shocking, the deflection. It was unlucky that it hit somebody's thigh no, and goes I, in the goal it, when ordinarily it was straight at the goalkeeper. It was, but if you look at both goals Newcastle concede and the penalty which they concede, which obviously Bamford misses, I think that there's just so many mistakes. It's mistake after mistake and that sort of impenetrable feeling that there was around the defence a few months ago is, I think is, is evaporated to a certain degree. I don't think that they look anywhere near as 
as strong now. I think there are times where they look a bit nervy and they are they they look like they're on different wavelengths. And for the first goal, I mean the defence are dragged all over the place. Then Dan Burns caught in no man's land, doesn't know whether to come forward to attack the man or go and defend behind. And then there's there's almost a a free header really in the middle for the second goal. Trippier is slightly unlucky in terms of he tries to head it back uh, towards Pope, but there's a there's a miscommunication there. He misdirects the head as miscommunication and it goes out for a corner. And then from the corner, Newcastle don't deal with it. They don't get out quickly enough to it. And then obviously it goes off, off Trippier and goes in. And, fr- and from that point on, then suddenly it became Leeds were just, again, long balls, second balls, trying to disrupt Newcastle. And there was a bit of tension there. And I do think that... It's 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 harsh to criticise a defence which has been so good for so long, but it does feel now like they are starting to struggle a little bit. I think it's they've conceded two and I think it's five of the last eight games. They've only they've only kept one clean sheet in the last few months. They 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 just really are now struggling to, to stop the ball going into their own net. And I think that's why they 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 are now yeah have had these couple of weeks where where they are. It suddenly it looks a lot tighter for Champions League qualification than anyone would like. On that point, Chris, we you know we talked about the options in midfield. You have to say that's the same. The same is true in defence. That you, there now are very few alternatives to to Botman and Cher in at centre half and and in the other positions as well. There's a few left backs, but there's a lot of left backs. Yeah. So it's difficult. To, it's difficult really to switch things up at this stage, and they have been so good. And you know, if there is a bit of kind of fatigue or tiredness, you know, you do you do understand that. But when I said it's two points dropped and I'm frustrated about that, I do think that was there to be won that game. But at the same time, Newcastle didn't lose. It's an away match, and they've got a point from Sam Allardyce's first game at Ellen Road as Leeds manager. You know, it was a very intense atmosphere, yeah. and they've got through it with a point, and that could still be you know that could still be really important. With three games left, it's not you know I don't I'm, I don't feel depressed about it. I don't feel frustrated about it in that sense. I don't you know it's just because it was there to be won and they had chances to win it. That last twenty minutes was so Sam Allardyce the way Leeds were playing. I was looking for Kevin Nolan on the pitch and he wasn't <laughs> yeah. there. I could have sworn he was there. It was that Allardyce. It was nice in a way though. Three penalties and a red card, but not really even a sniff of controversy about any of it. The second uh, Newcastle penalty, the lad, it was a junior football, I think it was. Oh, yeah. He was he, he was, had a bit of a nightmare all game, really. He was hailing a taxi, wasn't he? I'm not sure what he was playing at for that. But uh, yeah, quite something, isn't it, when we don't get a VAR, a VAR problem, Chris, or, or something along those lines? No, I mean, you could argue that maybe Fairball should have been off before then in terms of the tackle on, on, on Bruno Gimaraes, although I, I think it was probably, because he didn't fully catch him, it probably was just about a, a very strong yellow card. Uh, I'm not sure I quite agree with George's about it being two points dropped. I think, in the context of the fact that Newcastle had got themselves ahead, I can entirely understand that. I just think, given the the way that they're played for large parts of the game, given the atmosphere that was there, given the fact that they probably should have been 2-0 behind uh, early on, I actually, I probably err on the side of it. It, it. I think that could be a very important point. I do think it's, I do think. Well, I said that as well. I know, but I, I'm not as a, as negative as I see the positive before the negative. I see this slightly different way to you. I, I just this think. doesn't sound like you, Chris. I know, exactly. <laughs> uh, usually, usually the. Uh, I like, just like to be contrary, don't I? So that's. Uh, well, yeah. I'm just, I'm just talking about how I felt, which, to be, you know, watching the match, which. You know, again, I mean, slightly different. I felt really uncomfortable and irritated all the way through the match because I was sitting next to you talking to me about number (laughs) fucking sixes and double pivots and trying to explain tactics to me when I had no interest. All I wanted to do was watch the game. He complained about me mumbling as well, which Alice does a lot, so... Yeah. And mumbling. I can't hear a word anybody says these days, and I couldn't you just so what was that, Chris? They're playing a double pivot with a midfield number six. Ah, oh, I wish I hadn't fucking bothered asking you what you'd said now, you boring <laughs> twat. That got a bit aggressive. All I'm trying to say is that I felt like it should be comfortable. It felt like it should be a comfortable win. I, d- I don't know what I mean by that. I don't know what I, what I mean. Say, I can't yeah. like point to shots on target or anything like that. It felt like Newcastle had that all the way through. To me, it felt like Newcastle should be winning it comfortably. When we scored the second penalty, I was convinced that we were going to we win, three, run one, away four, and win one. the game. Yeah, three or four I one. Did. I, I, I did. didn't have any doubt in my no. mind. And that was why when the second goal for Leeds went in, it was such a disappointment Yeah, that... I just thought we've we had this. This was this was done. We all we had to do was see it out, and that's and I did walk away from it feeling slightly disappointed. Oh but, no, I, you know, and, and, and I entirely understand that. And I, and I mean, the, you could 
I wasn't out on the ground, but you could hear on the TV. I mean, the entire entirety of Elland Road was deflated by Newcastle's second goal. It went very, very quiet for a good 10 minutes before, obviously, they got the equaliser and then really ignited again. I mean, I, I Speak up, Chris. <laughs> double pivot what I was going to say Sausages. was I was again a little bit surprised by a couple of the substitutions as well I could I could see why he was bringing on Sam Maximan when the scores were level but he delayed the substitution after Newcastle took the lead and I was surprised again why I brought him on so early and I thought Newcastle lost I mean, not that they ever really had full control but I thought it became even more chaotic when you had Sam Maximan on, and, and that's not to dig out Sam Maximan anymore. It's just, it just, he doesn't necessarily provide that sort of surety in possession. Mm, yeah, I thought that they just they, they lacked a little again direction. Not that they had it fully, but but even then, it was just, it just felt again tinker to try and find something and just yeah. gr- almost like grasping grasping at smoke. It wasn't, it just wasn't there for them. Yeah, Callum Wilson, uh, Eddie Howe just resolutely refuses to allow that boy to score a hat trick, doesn't he? That's your second drive. Off you go. You've had it. You've had your chance again. That's it. Done. I felt a bit sorry for him again because I mean I know he wasn't really in the game very much, George, like you said earlier on. But come on, let the lad get a hat trick, man. Yeah, but I think it was I think it was the right moment to shake things up. Yeah, I agree. It, it just didn't it didn't kind of it didn't kind of quite work out. And um, you know I think it was only a couple of weeks ago we were sort of talking about the strength of Newcastle's bench, but I think in the last couple of weeks there's been a little dipping. We haven't seen you know the Almiron that's come back hasn't been. Uh, this season's Almiron. It's yeah. been last season's. Uh, you said it, not me. Yeah, well, I think that's fine. I'm, but I back him. I'd, I'd, you know, I back him to come good again, Chris. Unlike you, let's not revisit this. Come on, no, no. And you know, Anthony Gordon isn't yet having a sort of consistent, you know, consistent effect on games when he co- kind of comes on. You know, you can make the same case for Alan Maxima. I think that's a good point, Chris made there. That you know, if a game is, yeah. if a game is degenerating into kind of chaos which was kind of what Leeds wanted uh, you know one of St Maximan's strength is that he can he can cause chaos to uh, to other teams you know he can run at them but it sort of added to that tone I quite like that I quite like that idea we also have to say no doubt about the uh, the lifetime ban probably handed out to Eddie Howe's mate either who got on the pitch and uh, and got in his face security concerns all over the place here, uh, there. But luckily, uh, he came to no harm. A bit, a bit of a strange one, that, George. I don't like to see that sort of no, thing. No, awful, awful. And it shouldn't happen and it shouldn't be allowed to happen at the same time. You know, so so you can sort of question the stewarding and, uh, and all the rest of it. But, uh, you know, why, why on earth people do that sort of stuff? It just absolutely boggles the mind, particularly to somebody like Eddie Eddie Howe, who's a, who's a good and solid solid man. He's not it's not as if he would ever come out and kind of criticise other teams or other clubs and all the rest of it. It's not as if he's been winding up Leeds fans or anything. Yeah, very very strange. A few too many pints of beer and not enough brain cells, I think, uh, was the uh, the mixture there. Anyway, uh, get yourselves over to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod to pick up a subscription to The Athletic and pay just £1.99 a month for your first year. We'll be back in just a moment. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Okay, so we promised you reaction from the women's camp last week and we got the head honcho. George spoke to Becky Langley again a few days ago after the title celebrations had run their course. But had her hangover subsided? Yeah, just about. I'm sure there were some sore heads on Monday morning, that's for sure. But um, yeah, it was fantastic to celebrate with the squad and 
the fans and yeah everyone who supported our journey so far so it's just the start and um, I'm really looking forward to next season already. Oh come on you can't be looking forward to next season already we've got to enjoy this one first surely. (laughs) Yeah do you know what we've given ourselves probably 48 hours and then we're, (laughs) we're already preparing for next season so we are enjoying parading the trophy round to the staff at St James's Park and yeah, we're still we're still absolutely ecstatic, as you can imagine. But um, yeah, it's, it's almost really just exciting about next season and thinking about you know the great teams we'll play against and um, yeah, the challenge of tier three. Okay, well let's let's just talk a bit about Barnsley and that and that fabulous two 0 win. I mean, fantastic scenes at the end, fantastic scenes when Katie Barker's goal goes in. Talk us through it a little bit and talk talk a little bit about the pressures of the day because well, I mean, I suppose the pressures of the last few weeks really. I mean, there's been no room for slip up on the final day or or any of the games recently. We've had to have a huge amount of consistency and ensure that the focus has just been on taking it one game at a time and and making sure we got three points. And a lot of workers went into it behind the scenes, on and off the pitch. We've just stayed focused every match day and just really refined our approach to ensure that we've been as consistent as possible. The game itself was so difficult. It was on a very tough pitch to play on against an opposition who want to make it tough for us it's been close kind of score lines every time we've played against Barnsley so we knew it was you know not going to be an easy game but yeah it was it was you know even worse knowing that it was on goal difference and we we had to ensure that we'd scored more goals so that the the score at Sestria was you know not relevant to us so I think at half time a member of staff who'd been at the game at Chorley versus Durham they'd let me know that it was 2-0 it almost gave me that confidence that we would, you know, they hadn't scored five goals in the first half and we were in a really good position. But then actually as the second half progressed and they kept updating me what the score was, the pressure started to <laughs> get higher and higher, especially when it got to seven and eight goals. So we just couldn't afford to slip up. We've worked far too hard to have thrown it away on the last day of the season. So it was just fantastic to know that we, you know, kept that clean sheet. We were we were up to tier three and we were promoted. Yeah, I mean, I have to pay tri- tribute to Durham, who've uh, who've absolutely pushed you all the way, don't you? And it's such a brutal division with only one team going up. It is, and you know, we felt that heartbreak last season, so I can completely empathise with Durham at the moment. And credit to Michael and his team at Durham; they've been absolutely brilliant. There's some very talented players in that group, which is great to see Northeast talent on shore. But we wanted to win. We wanted to ensure that it was Newcastle United going into Tier Three and, and no one else. And We've worked relentlessly to ensure that, and I'm just so glad it's paid off. And tell me about your first conversation since then with with Amanda, because uh, she's obviously been right behind the team the whole way through. Yeah, she was absolutely delighted for us, as you can imagine. And we were having a few um, glasses of Prosecco on route home, and she FaceTimed the group. So that was good, and we were all chanting, we love you, Amanda. So (laughs) (laughs) Um, it was absolutely brilliant, and her and her dad's support has been fantastic. So... Yeah, they're they're absolutely ecstatic as well. And I mean, as you say, you're already working on, uh, you're already kind of looking at next season, working on it. I mean, that is one of the sort of incredible things about the club as a whole now. There is this sort of relentlessness, not sort of, uh, you know, you look at the men's team and the achievement in staying up last season. You know, they've then followed it up this season with a kind of brilliant, brilliant performance in the league. I mean... That's that's what this club's like now, isn't it? It's like you can't settle. You've just got to push, push, push and keep pushing. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, the competition is so high and, you know, others will be doing more if you're not. So there's that determination to just keep kicking on. And we've all got that pure joy for it and we all enjoy it. And it doesn't feel like coming to work and having to plan for next season. It's almost we're all excited. Like, when can we start planning? When can we get the <laughs> ball rolling? When can we kick on? We've got an end of season awards on Saturday, which we're all looking forward to. Um, you know, having having a three course meal together and a another celebration, and then um, yeah, it really will be getting focused on next season after that. Yeah, I mean, and I suppose then finally for me, I mean, there is this big aspirational side to what's happened. I think as well, it's been absolutely brilliant to see the response you've got. It was absolutely goosebump moments coming out at Barnsley and actually seeing more black and white fans than actually Barnsley fans and the flags were going the the fans were chanting and it was just incredible atmosphere and the fans have helped us massively get across the line this season so just a massive thank you to them. It's been a proper sort of 
togetherness about it, hasn't it? And you're, I mean, you're blazing a trail for for women and and girls in the game up here, and it, it's vitally important that stuff. Yeah, it is. I think one of our aims of this season is to be inspiring that next generation of girls and boys in the crowd and especially for the girls having female role models who are out on the pitch wearing the black and white strip is just invaluable so we're really proud of that and that's another aim that's been ticked off this season and yeah it's probably just as valuable as winning making sure that girls are wanting to be the next lioness or the next Newcastle United women's player hopefully in the WSL in a few years time. Lovely stuff, George. Great to hear from Becky there. Yes, very good. Obviously, I mean, I was sort of slightly taken aback when she said at the start, already planning for next season. It's like, oh my God. All right, Becky, have a day off, man, for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's the that's the club Newcastle are at the minute. And, um, yeah, she we, we didn't hear it there, but she also talked about uh, hopefully coming out onto the pitch um, during the Brighton game to uh, for the whole team to uh, you know to get a nice reception from the crowd. That's something to really look forward to. Yeah, they've be they've been brilliant this season. I hope they do enjoy it. But yeah, next season will be another challenge. Looking forward to watching that and being part of it. Yeah, they absolutely deserve that moment, don't they, Chris? It's uh, it's been quite a quite a campaign for them. They certainly do, and um, it just shows. I mean, the the, the both the men's and the women's team are in have been in such good form this season. Obviously, the men's team exceeding expectations. The women's team had huge expectations on their shoulders, though, and to actually match that and achieve it is is very very difficult. It's not an easy not an easy thing to do. There's been a heck of a lot of transition there, and we said last week how close Durham Sestria have pushed them. And yeah, great, and hopefully. Hopefully they'll have further success next year, but it'll only it'll only get more and more difficult. And uh, but shoot, they, they they seem like they're going to attack it just as they've attacked this year. Absolutely, congratulations to Becky and all the lasses, and good luck for next year. Right then, here we go, chaps. Europe vision for Howe and the boys providing Liverpool beat Leicester. We need two wins to seal Champions League football next season. And we have two home games before the next pot on the tyne. And the first of those is Brighton Hove Albion doing a reverse George <laughs> and travelling up to Newcastle this Thursday evening, which is a stupid night to play football. I will continue to mention this every time it comes up. Who is playing football on a Thursday? Stop it. Well, Europa League teams are playing football on a Thursday, Taylor. And that's why we want nothing to do with that, George. Well, I I would certainly take it. I mean, <laughs> but but yes, I know what you I, I do know what you mean. It's there is a different feel to Thursday Thursday night matches. Um a bit weird, but and a and a very tough one as well, because they were really good against Arsenal, weren't they? Really good. Absolutely, Arsenal couldn't handle them. In fact, they have a very weird form book. Wins over Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea, 6-0 over Wolves, balanced out by defeats to Spurs, Forest, and a 5-1 loss to Everton. I would hate to be the person who has to try and predict this result. Chris Woff, what's the score going to be? <laughs> God, yeah. I mean, the, the, thing about, the thing about Brighton is that, although I think it's going to be a very tough game, I also think it might suit Newcastle to a certain extent, is that Brighton will come and they'll have a go at Newcastle. They will leave gaps they will push bodies forward and we know that 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 Newcastle have actually struggled against sides who maybe sit off them a little bit who yeah. who try and frustrate them particularly when Sam Maximan isn't fully fit and isn't starting so that they are dangerous they are scoring goals at the moment they have so many young players yeah. in, in form just that they keep discovering these players and see so and, and and Ferguson and the likes and 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 they were very very good at Arsenal I agree but there are Arsenal still had chances particularly first half and Brighton will probably dominate the ball. They'll certainly throw bodies forward, and it's whether Newcastle can can finish the chances that they get. And if they can, then I do think that, that, that this is this is an opportunity. And I can understand why people are fearful of it, but I do I do think that it's I see both teams score, and I see it being quite a high scoring game. And I think it'll be a really really entertaining match. No clean sheet again, eh, Chris? No clean no. sheet. No, I'm not. You have to. I mean, you have to give Brighton. You know, really. You know, a huge amount of credit. Oh, they've been fantastic. Yeah, I mean, in terms, you know, it's it's a good it's a good question. Which is the kind of biggest overachieving team this season? Obviously, we're in third. Brighton are six though, and they've lost their manager. They've lost their coaching staff this season. Graham Potter, you know, going to Chelsea. They'd keep losing their best players. They've lost Dan Ashworth to Newcastle. That you know, in the way they do things and the way they they recruit is very good, and they keep on trucking on. You wouldn't think it's. Uh, model for sustained success to keep losing your best players and you know your coach to 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 bigger teams but they've been phenomenal this season and they play beautiful football they do you know having said that Newcastle's 
record at home is absolutely formidable. You, you know, the crowd, despite it being on a Thursday night, the crowd will be bang up for it again because we all know what it means. And it's in you know it's in Newcastle's it's in Newcastle's hands. Had a couple of disappointing results, but it's all there to be played for. And you know you would back Newcastle to win. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt with Brighton, they are a formidable football team and they themselves, Chris, aren't officially out of the Champions League race yet, are they? No, but they've had about 19 games in hand on all the other teams and that's why it's been <laughs> yeah, so right, complicated yeah. to try and work out mathematically when and, and, and Newcastle can actually qualify for, for the Champions League. I mean, they basically need to win all of their matches to, to, to do so, which, given what they did to Arsenal, is not beyond the realms of possibility. But as we've said, they're also... A bit up and down. I mean, we're recording this before Liverpool play tonight. Yeah, at, at Leicester, which I'm not sure is as much of a given as it, I, I know that. I again, I'll repeat what I said last week. I understand this sort of <laughs> the worry, this, yeah. this fear about Liverpool, but they also have Aston Villa to play, which is not an easy match at all. Um, and so Newcastle just got to concentrate. It's still Newcastle's hand. Newcastle just have to concentrate on themselves. They've got two games yeah. at St James's Park. And I just th- I, I think that they they just need to try and re- readdress it and try and find that that balance which they've been struggling to without Sean Longstaff. I don't know necessarily what that is. I don't know how I would necessarily. Sell. That's why you're not Jason Tindall, Chris. There's a lot of reasons why I'm not Jason Tindall. In fact, you're. <laughs> I think you might you might be the person who's the least Jason Tindall. I was, was going to say if like my relationship with Chris is is he he's the Eddie Howe and I'm the Jason Tindall. Surely, I like to think. Do you think? Do you think we all have a Jason Tindall in our lives? Probably. I think we probably do, don't we? Yeah. Chris, will you be watching the Barclays this evening when Liverpool play? <laughs> wow. Well, Chris thinks you're talking about his bank book. <laughs> <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'll tell you, honestly, I will love it if we beat them. Love it. George, you mentioned St. James's Park before as well. What will we be expecting on Thursday night? Will it be one of those deafening nighttime atmospheres or do you think a bit of anxiety is going to creep in and a little bit like it did with that Southampton game in the Carabao Cup well god I just fancy a can of Carabao now that you've mentioned that name it's like oh mm, I don't I've ever drank Carabao have you ever tasted it yeah, no of course say. not no I've never ever had it I just it always it always interests me it when... looks like stuff you put in your car to stop it from freezing in the winter that's yeah. what it looks like um, well I would expect it to be I would expect it to be raucous but yeah I mean we, we, we're at that point now of the season I mean, I was thinking about this again at the weekend when I say that I was expecting Newcastle to be comfortable in that match or to win comfortably. I was nervous watching watching the game, but it was a positive nervousness because you know here we are, here we are in the middle of May, and Newcastle are third in the Premier League and pushing for a huge achievement. And so you want it to be anticipation, not nervousness. But yeah, I mean, of course, you you know if if Brighton get on the ball and stay on the ball. Then perhaps some of that sort of um, comes comes into play. I would hope that um, the crowd stays stays with it, but I think it will be loud, and um, you know it needs to be. And Chris, given what you said before as well about Brighton, maybe this is a good game for Wilson and Isaac together, or could it maybe time to hold one back and unleash them from the bench? Do you think? Yeah, you'd have thought George rudely interrupted me before when I was about to talk about this would have given me more time to decide who I would actually select, but I'm still not entirely sure on that. I don't think. Wilson Nisak has quite worked fully from the start of matches yet. That's not to say that that it won't, but Isak is just. I think it's just to get him on the ball in central positions is so important. And so, if they are going to play them together, I would actually consider changing the system to have it as, as a four-two-three-one or four-one-four-one, whatever it may be, to get him when he gets closer in behind Wilson I think it works better than when he's out wide on the left from the start of matches and I mean Almiron as you said didn't didn't necessarily perform brilliantly at 
Leeds, and if Jacob Murphy isn't fully fit, then actually suddenly Jacob Murphy's looking like a bit of a miss in, in, in that in that sense. Is mm, Alan St. Maximan yeah. fit enough to start yet? I'm not entirely sure. I, I would be surprised if we see exactly the same eleven that started at Leeds start on Thursday. I think that, that I think that there will be a change or two. I just don't know exactly what the, those will be. So there's my expert analysis there. All those little things are important as well because it's all about relationships on the pitch. And so when you know when one player loses the person who's been beside them for a lot of the season, it does change the dynamics. And so it's you know it's not just about saying Wilson and Isak. It's about what the repercussions are then sort of behind them and elsewhere. You do, however, go back to the Brentford match, to the West Ham match, when you had one of those players ready to come on and it makes such a, you know, I'm talking about Isak and Wilson, and they would come on with that burst of energy. They would change things. Wilson came on furious. It's been brilliant sort of seeing that. him, Him... Coming onto the pitch with the kind of determination to, to you know, not not to prove Eddie how wrong. I don't think that's kind of quite the right phrase, but to impose himself on a match to make his point really. And yeah, it really it? it really worked, and you know, vice versa. This you know the same. So that might be one way of looking at it. But I think it's kind of behind them that's the important bit, as Chris said. I think there has to be more fluency more solidity and more energy in midfield and it's how to get that when you're missing one very important player and the other one isn't fully fit yes and unfortunately we won't be back in your ears before the Leicester game so let's have a little chat about that before we round things up Chris Monday night football this will be a roof raiser I reckon three points maybe uh, and a camera in the changing room again surely who's going to dance this time me I'll dance if we win if we've beaten Brighton and we beat Leicester I'll dance in the middle of St James's Park not naked. <laughs> yeah, don't do it in the middle of St James's Park because you would then be arrested and banned for the game for life and would be persona non grata on pot on the Tyndall for the forever. So don't, please don't do that. Okay. Can we choose a different park that I can dance in the middle of? Yes, Leeser's Park. That'll do. But yes, you, you did ask, sorry, you asked me about the, I, I completely lost my train of thought there. Unfortunately, visualising things I don't want to visualise. Hmm, that's what you say. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's an odd one because Leicester could almost be down by then. Yeah. Equally, it could be that they have huge optimism on the back of other results, and that, that it could be that a match which they could see is is potentially saving their Premier League status. So I think both scenarios are dangerous because I think if if Leicester are down, then they come and there's that sort of you see these weird results sometimes when teams are down. Newcastle beat Spurs. Spurs one, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I don't think. By any stretch, it's going to be an easy assignment, although I was very impressed with how Newcastle dismantled Leicester away from home, certainly the first half on Boxing Day. I was there for that. And I just, yeah, in these two matches, I fancy Newcastle to get at least four points, and I think that they'll basically be in the Champions League come come Monday night. That's my that's my prediction. You asked me for score prediction. I can't give you that, but I'll give you at least four points in Newcastle basically being, if not mathematically, in the Champions League positions by Monday night, all but there. It's pretty astonishing, isn't it, to think about that, that yes, I mean for the record, we won't be recording uh Pod on the Tyndall next Monday because we're gonna wait and see what happens on the on the Monday night, see how many yeah. see how many goals Jason Tyndall scores against uh against against Leicester. Um yeah, it's extraordinary. To, it is extraordinary to think that. I mean, maybe we won't record at all because we'll be too pissed. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, there's every and, chance. But it's, it's, it's fantastic, though, isn't it? I mean, to think that, you know, next time we chat, Newcastle could be in the Champions League. And either way, in the Champions either League. way, My God. they get European football now. It's an astonishing achievement. I'm going to read you something at the bottom of nufc.coms and what they've written about the Leeds match. We've reached a critical moment in a season that is already an incredible success. Some perspective as to the possible outcomes is required. From a relegation fight to a Europa League place in 12 months is pretty remarkable, even if joining the really big lads eludes us this time. It promises to be a nervous watch, but unlike many recent seasons, it's not a fearful one. Newcastle have been in the top four for so long, you know, we're desperate for them to stay there. But let's relish this. Let's relish two home games, um, you know, against one good team. Is that team. an ice cream van? Does anybody want an ice cream? Well, <laughs> no, I didn't hear that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll have a... What will I have? 99? Yeah, I'll have a 99, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, that's... You've completely thrown me off. I, I, but, I, I, you know, I'm going to... I'm go, That's fine. Yeah, ice cream's all around. <laughs> 
that's the that's what we'll do on Monday night if we win. Ice creams, ice creams all yeah. round. But it's 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 brilliant to be to be in this point stage of the season, fighting for this is just such a treat. I mean, next year maybe it doesn't feel like a treat. Maybe the year after that it doesn't feel a treat like a treat because we're used to it. But we're not used to it. It's just, it's just, it's brilliant to be in this position. And so we should enjoy it. We should enjoy, yeah. you know, and we should also help the team to enjoy it. If it doesn't happen this year, it's not the end of the world. There is a massive opportunity this season. And we have to recognise that. Have to recognise that all things being equal, next season becomes more difficult because, you know, because you would think that the other teams below us won't be as shambolic. But from where we've been... We have to enjoy it and know that, again, you know, in terms of being near the top of the league, this is the first time, not the last. Absolutely. And honestly, chaps, I don't think there's any better way to leave it than like that. So let's round things off. Thanks a lot, Chris, for your time. It's been great fun. Well, thank you. I used my paternity this morning to go for the first time to a baby sensory class. And I have to be honest. Did you faint, Chris? I didn't faint on this occasion, but it was... Did you go on your own, Chris, or did you have the baby with you? They, they made me bring the baby, unfortunately. Uh, but it was... it was The intellectual levels were very similar to being on this podcast. I found that that's the sort of <laughs> stimulation that I get on here. So, yeah, it was... Uh... <laughs> Number six. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, George. Thanks for your time. You're welcome. I think I've been in quite good form this week. If you do say so yourself, Good, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very modest yeah. as well. Yeah, very yeah. modest. Like, very big Sam, like. <laughs> when it comes to podcasts, you know, you're up there. You're up there with the likes of Rogan. <laughs> All the big names. Ice cream and a pint of gravy. That's fantastic. <laughs> right then, chaps. Get yourselves over to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and pick up a subscription to The Athletic and pay just £1.99 a month for your first year. Thanks a lot. Everybody out there, thanks for listening. We'll be back after that pivotal Leicester game. You never know, by then we might be a Champions League team. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Athletic.